Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. And I'm sitting here in the studio all by myself. Uh, Grant Barfield is on vacation this week. Uh, Michael Fabiano a little bit uh, under the weather. So uh, wishing him the best, a speedy recovery, and he'll hopefully be back with us real soon. Uh, but uh, I may be alone, but I'm not necessarily lonely. We'll have a guest coming up uh, who will take me most of the way through this show. Uh, so uh, get ready for that. we got plenty to talk about. We'll do a hype trainer smoke screen. We'll do a little bit of uh, just fun rankings. Nothing really serious, because why be serious all the time? But uh, before we get too far into it, we want to quickly go behind the glass and talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's going on, man? This is a strange one. Uh, we have a three-man team here, and two of them are down, so just uh, me. <laughs> you today and a, and a special guest coming up but uh, I am I'm finally in the fantasy football mode of me being the commissioner of my league setting up the draft times and uh, figuring out like you know who any rule changes this and that so I'm, I'm, I'm excited you know we had the Hall of Fame game so it is actually back football is here it is uh, a thankless job being a fantasy league commissioner Oh, it's the best. The best part is it's it's uh, what a twelve team league, eleven East Coasters. <laughs> so, so you're the only I'm one out here. <laughs> I'm only get up at like five a.m. on a Saturday to the draft. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh man, that that sounds not good at all. Um, speaking of folks on the East Coast, uh, go to the phones. Our our good friend, friend of the program, just friend in real life as well. You can read him at the Athletic. He has a pair of podcasts, Sports Unsealed and the All In Sports Podcast. It's Jake Seeley. You can find him on Twitter at All In Kid. Jake, what's going on, man? 
Oh, not too much. I'm glad that I'm kind of the special guest on a solo day because I like you better than the other two anyway. I appreciate that. You know, we will keep that between us. Um, you know, we won't we won't uh, we won't promote that as the, you know, the headline for this podcast or anything like that. Um, so in the meantime, uh, Eddie, let's do some news, huh? <laughs> The news. Jake, we will start down in Houston. The Texans, they let go of Deontay Foreman after a couple of seasons. Uh, obviously, he was dealing with an Achilles tear, was trying to bounce back from that. Um, I, I know, Jake, that a lot of folks are looking at this and sort of thinking that uh, the, the Texans aren't going to stand pat with just Lamar Miller. But as we talk right now, he is the lead back. It seems like he will never die back there. So are we feeling confident about him? I think the confident is always a, a vague answer with him. It's, like, it's confident we know what we're going to get with Lamar Miller, but it's the Lamar Miller of it. You don't ever have somebody out of your draft excited and going, yeah, I got Lamar Miller. <laughs> it's always the, oh, well, I guess I'll take him because that's the last of the group. But let's be honest about him. I mean, last of the group, he's a fringe RB2. If there's the war of attrition of some injuries at running back, he'll finish as a mid-RB2 as he did two years ago if he plays 16 games. And if not, he'll be in that range. But that's the thing is you're taking him as an RB3. You know he's going to get those touches. I, I'm with you in the fact that I think they do something. I actually don't think they need to look outside the team if it's Higdon Crockett behind him. That would be even better for us as fantasy owners for those that do have Lamar Miller. But we know what Lamar Miller is. He's a fine third running back. He's a fine second running back if you went wide receiver heavy. There's nobody ever excited about him. But – it's fine. I guess confident is in the fact that he's kind of safe, and I think that's what makes him boring. Do you believe any of this talk that they may make a run at Melvin Gordon? I just Their front office is in disarray. They don't have an actual general manager right now. I just can't imagine they're going to do something like that right now. No, I'm with you. It's mostly because, let's be realistic, you know this, how many times do we really see trades and the NFL in general, let alone once we've already hit free agency and the draft? I mean, they do have the cap space for it, but I'm with you. It, it, on most normal teams, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then we've got the report from McLean saying that it's not even on their minds. And then to add into fact of let's not even talk about, you just mentioned it. The front office is all over the place. Like who's making the decisions? Who's going to make that call? So I do think it's going to leave Lamar Miller. If you want to take him in that spot and feel caught, I don't think anybody's going to come in there. usurp Lamar Miller. The only thing that you have to worry about is if he has a down year and gets passed in midseason. But again, the draft cost isn't expensive enough that that's really a big deal anyway. Uh, more running back issues, not issues, but news. Uh, the Broncos pick up Theo Riddick after he was let go by the Lions. And then I saw a tweet this morning about him catching a, a, a 30, or at least a catch and run of a touchdown for 30 yards, right? That he was playing with the ones. Um, look, man, I feel like we just got settled on this whole Philip Lindsay Royce Freeman situation. Now we got to deal with Theo Riddick. This, this seems like total bad news to me. It does. And on the one side of things, it kind of clusters that backfield for a little bit. But as you said running with the ones, and I know you know this, but for everybody out there that's listening to is like, don't always overreact to quote unquote running with the ones is, you know, you see this time and again, every off season, and a lot of people are like, Oh, that means he's the starter. And it doesn't. It's, how is a team going to evaluate a running back or any player if they're not running with the first team offense? If there's an like open competition, that's how they're going to evaluate the player. They're not going to evaluate the player with the second and third team unit. So that's the one side of it. The second side of it is, as you mentioned, 
we already had concerns about Philip Lindsay, given his BMI and all the wear and tear of somebody of his size. He got injured in his first season, despite being amazing. Royce Freeman was a touted, highly coveted, remember in fantasy leagues, especially rookie running back last year, who I don't think the book is done and written on. So I think he's going to be back in the mix. And now you add in Theo Riddick and you say, all right, well, maybe Philip Lindsay still has last year's receiving numbers, but those are now over 16 games and he doesn't see an improvement. And I think that's the concern is now Philip Lindsay loses a little bit of that passing game work. He already had the concern of rushing touchdowns and the work from Royce Freeman. I think it just turns this backfield into a headache. Could Philip Lindsay still be top 15? Obviously the ability is there, but I think it just makes a real headache for us. But on the flip side, I think it's opened things up for somebody like Ty Johnson as in a very, very, very late PPR sleeper over with the Lions because, you know, Patricia loves his roles. That's what they brought C.J. Anderson in for, and Ty Johnson can now fit that role as somebody who, at this point in his career, probably has more explosiveness than Theo Riddick. Yeah, I, you know, and Theo Riddick was one of those guys that during his time in Detroit, I think we were all sort of waiting for him to pop, and it never quite did. Um, I also feel like, you know, he was sort of hurt by the fact that they also had Amir Abdullah, and the two of them were sort of the same person uh, you know I felt like I felt like that you know they didn't the Lions didn't do either one of those guys any favors by having them essentially cannibalize each other's production uh while they were there in Detroit um have you seen Antonio Brown's feet have you seen this picture of Antonio Brown's feet <laughs> I have not and I specifically have not on purpose I'm one of those people that actually goes and watch like don't watch this injury don't oh I don't like do that kids. no I do I go watch but there's one thing is I hate feet. Like even if you stepped out of the shower, clean feet, don't touch me with your feet. So this is the first time in history, Marcus, I have never, and I will not, unless somebody accidentally tweets it into my timeline and I happen to catch it, I specifically still have yet to see his foot. They look like Mesopotamian relics. I mean, they are like, they're, <laughs> they're like dry and cracked and like blistered and calloused. And like, so the Raiders are considering him day to day. I know we're not really worried long-term about his prospects. He's going to be there. He's still going to be productive as long as he's healthy and on the field. Um, but I'm sort of using this as a roundabout way to let you rant about Josh Jacobs because I know how much you love him. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, I feel like anything that potentially slows Antonio Brown maybe is long-term good for Josh Jacobs. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're definitely not wrong. Real quick, I, I will say for the people out there on Antonio Brown – there is a spit of concern for me only because I talked to a player and they said it's similar to plantar fasciitis where the only thing that's going to help is rest. And it is Antonio Brown, but you still want to see him get some, like if he's ready for week one, I'm not concerned. You're not concerned. Nobody's concerned, but you still want to see him get some reps in with the team before the season starts. But yes, the Josh Jacobs, and you know, it's because we talked about it when I had you on my podcast is, I'm I'm pounding the table for the misnomer that the fact that John Gruden doesn't like bell cows because I go back to Cadillac Williams, as you know, as a rookie in 14 games, 290, not touches, Marcus, 290 carries. He gets hurt, comes back, 225 carries. He gave Ernest Graham 222 carries. He gave Tyron Wheatley over 200 carries two years in a row. John Gruden will turn to his number one guy often and plenty when he has a guy, and he has a guy. They spent a first-round pick on Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a good pass catcher. You've already heard reports about it that maybe Jalen Richard takes a step back. So, yes, you know me. I love Josh Jacobs. I have him as my RB12 and half-point PPR and 13 and full-point PPR. I think he's going to have an amazing rookie season. I think he could finish even higher than that. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, you know, it's funny because I haven't, I don't think I've drafted him anywhere, mostly because I think he's never been on the board at a spot that I feel comfortable. Either it's too early or he's gone. So I don't think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've had a shot at him just yet. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And especially, by the way, the, I guess this is a, a cheap way to promote this. Um, but Hard Knock starts on Tuesday, which I think this year with the Raiders and Gruden and all the personalities, this might be one of the best Hard Knocks seasons ever. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is musty TV. Well, although, how much are we going to see from Antonio Brown? Are we just going to keep getting shots of him, like, icing his feet? <laughs> just yeah, with a, his feet in an ice bucket the whole time? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, who knows? Uh, last little headline real quick. Colt McCoy, the the – Washington put out their their depth chart, their preliminary preseason depth chart, and you know, as you mentioned, saying that a guy is running with the ones or is on top of the depth chart doesn't necessarily mean that's what it's going to be when the season starts. But the quarterback depth chart in Washington has Colt McCoy number one, Case Keenum number two, Dwayne Haskins right now at number three. Obviously, understanding that things can change between now and the start of the season, how much do you read into that? Does that change anything you think about that offense? No, because it's my opinion on Dwayne Haskins. I still believe for the purpose of the team, for the future, for like, I don't think they're competing this season. I understand their offensive line already has issues with the whole Trent Williams situation and whether or not they want to throw a rookie out there. The best quarterback, in my opinion, is Dwayne Haskins. And the, the bar to pass with Case Keenum and Colt McCoy is not high enough that why not just get Dwayne Haskins out there? And I know he doesn't have a ton of starts under his belt, but you look at college and you look at that offense, let's just, you have it in front of you to look at the Ohio State offense and see the turn it made when Dwayne Haskins steps in the quarterback. And the one thing I love about him is he is one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in a couple of years that hits wide receivers in stride where they don't have to slow down. And I thought that's what he would have been a perfect fit for the Giants. But just get the ball rolling on your future. He is your quarterback of the future. It's not Colt McCoy. It's not Case Keenum. We know that. Now, if he completely bombs in preseason, that's a whole other question. And he's not ready. He needs to sit and learn. But as of today, to answer your question for that specifically, I'm not going to change my opinion until we get to week three of the preseason and see that Dwayne Haskins is just not even in the competition. As of today, I still say Haskins is starting 15, 16 games this year. I guess I should have originally asked you your uh, your opinion of that offense because I, I am not touching anybody uh, on that team, so maybe that's where I should have started when I talked about this. <laughs> I will say this. I was very high on uh, Darius Geis a few weeks ago because I kept comparing him to Dalvin Cook's timeline and saying that if you go timeline to timeline, he should be 100% by week one where we saw Dalvin Cook by midseason last year at 100% and what Dalvin Cook could be. And now everybody's drafting Dalvin Cook as a top six, seven running back. Darius Geis on that path, who I think is also a better pass catcher than people realize because the LSU offense doesn't pass to the running backs, as we all know. But the setback with the, the, the soft tissue injury is something to monitor. Adrian Peterson's still there. Chris Thompson's a great pass catcher and coming back. But if Chris Thompson's slow to come back and Darius Geis looks 100%, I could still get on that. I will say this, though, Marcus. Is this, you look at you see the reports from Trey Quinn, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're in a deep league, if, I'm not talking about your standard 12-team, 16 uh, roster spots, all that type of stuff, but if you're talking about the fact of, like, you know, flyer, like Josh Doxson, this is his last chance. And he, I think he knows that. This is his last chance. And this is somebody who is valued as, like, one of the best prospects in some years. Why not just throw the dice roll on him? Because if not, you cut him by week one, and then who cares? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good way to look at it. I just have, I've, I've just had such a fear of, of touching anyone in that offense that I've just, I've stayed away. And I'm like, I, I'll let somebody else deal with it. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna throw darts, I've been throwing them elsewhere. I just have not been throwing them anywhere. No, in you're not getting sucked into the Jordan Reed looks amazing. No, man. Look, last year. Here's the thing. It's funny because so all these years he played well and he could never stay healthy. Last year he stayed relatively healthy for Jordan Reed. And he produced nothing. So I don't, I, yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't do it with him. So, uh, so there you go. That's pretty much everything you need to know. Well, that was the news. All right. Uh, we've got Jake Seeley from The Athletic and a pair of podcasts on with us. You can find him at All In Kid on Twitter. Uh, Jake, I was going through some of these headlines and, and wanted to get your thoughts, whether or not these are hype trains or smoke screens. Um, you know, because this is the time of year where it's hard to trust everything you hear. Um, you know, you see anybody who follows beat writers on Twitter, you get the so-and-so has looked great in practice today or so-and-so has not looked great and is struggling. And, you know, it's hard to kind of figure out what all this stuff means. So I'm going to pick your brain and, uh, and kind of get your thoughts on some of these things. Um, the first one, not necessarily a hype train or smoke screen, but more of is this, a, is this something to be concerned about or not? And you and I talked about this a little bit on your podcast recently. Andrew Luck and mm. this lower body injury, whether you want to call it an ankle, a calf, whatever they're calling this thing, um, he's expected to sit out a handful of practices this week. Um, this has sort of been lingering, and I know a lot of people are starting to get that deja vu all over again feeling again. Like, is this, are, should we really be concerned, or are the Colts just being cautious here? Yeah, so it, basically, if this was any other quarterback, we'd be like, okay, you know, they're just playing it safe. But, we, like you just said, it's deja vu all over again. It's that bad taster in about where, hey, yeah, he'll be fine by week one. He'll be fine by week four. He'll be fine by week – oh, Andrew Luck's not playing this year. Like, <laughs> I remember that. It was just not too long ago. So, I think that's the only reason we're so worried about it. As of today, I'm going to say my worry level is probably like a one or two out of ten just because – and the only reason it's even a two is because it's Andrew Luck and we've done this again. But – I'm not going to get concerned enough where I move him or the players down my draft board until we're talking week two and he's still not practicing or playing. I think that right now, if we want the player, Andrew Luck, to be 100% safe, is better than sorry. I, I I have to admit that I sort of asked this question out of selfishness because I have really gotten behind the Andrew Luck as QB1 thing and I, I've gotten on board with Marlon Mack sort of believing that Andrew Luck helps propel him to something bigger and better. Uh, I think I've drafted Eric Ebron in a few places, so I'm, I'm really asking this question selfishly so that I can feel better about <laughs> some of my own decisions. Uh, make you feel any better? Yeah, actually it did, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um... Carlos Hyde is reportedly taking advantage of his opportunities with Damian Williams out. Now, I know that from the moment you know he was signed there in Kansas City, nobody really believed that he was going to be an impact player. In fact, I think I feel like a couple weeks ago I was even seeing that you know he could end up being a camp casualty, could end up being cut. Now all of a sudden he's supposedly taking advantage of all these opportunities. Are we buying this or is this just training camp fodder? We're slightly buying it, but the only reason we're buying it is because Damian Williams still isn't getting on the field, and now we've got the report that Andy Reid's starting to get frustrated that he's not on the field. And, you know, that's open for interpretation if he's just frustrated because he wants his player out there or frustrated because he's saying, you know, he should be out there and why isn't he healing faster? So you can look at it different ways. We don't have the real answer, but that's why it's a little bit concerning. I'm with you. Uh, 
And also with the reports, uh, I'm actually, when that report came out, I tweeted and said, reminder, Carlos Hyde is not a threat to Damian Williams. Well, he is if Damian Williams isn't on the field. And I know we all have the numbers of Damian Williams has never had more than 50 carries, but Damian Williams also came from a team that was not the best offense in the league and a surprise to everybody. And one that misused a lot of their players and just look at the fact they used the Kenyon Drake last year. So <laughs> if Damian Williams is the starter, we know Aaron, Andy Reid and how he uses his starting running backs. He, and if he's the starter for 16 games, his ceiling is top five, and he's not even one of the top ten talent running backs. It just happens to be where he is. But that's why we need to pay attention to what's happening because Carlos Hyde, despite his 3.3 yards per carry last year and despite the fact he was on some miserable situations in his own right, if he's the starter, anybody who's the starter on this team as the lead running back getting the majority of the touches is in the conversation as an RB1 because of this offense. So, that's why you need to pay attention to this because if we get down halfway through the preseason week three and Damian Williams isn't getting there and now he's been supplanted, uh, that's the one side of it. And then on the flip side of this too is we have to look at this team and remember that they kind of said it without saying it is the fact that Damian Williams is still the guy unless this happens because they said the games and preseason games are going to determine the backup depth chart between Hyde and then they even listed Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. So they kind of said it without saying it. it's still Williams' job, but it's only still Williams' job for as long as he can get on the field. You know, you mentioned the fact that he is – the opportunity is there, and that's what people love, but that in terms of talent, he's not a top-10 guy. How much do we take into, effect, or into account that last year – he really got on the field late in the season, and he had fresh legs at a time when everybody he was going against was probably, you know, worn down, beat up, what have you. And look, it's not to take, you know, away from what he did, but just to sort of put in context a little bit what he did, that, that he, was the, he was probably the freshest guy on the field for those last few games of the season. Yeah, and there's ways, you know, there's ways you can spin it in any different direction of, like, he was the freshest. Is he also finally being used in a way that best suited his skill set and the fact that if you watch the way he runs, kind of fits this offense pretty well in the way that Reed likes the backfield. So you can spin it a couple different ways. It's certainly a one-two. If you, let me put it this way, Marcus, and you know this. If you look at Damian Williams, you can poke holes in him probably five different ways. If you want to support him, you can give him five different positive things. I'm somebody that's behind him and supporting him. And there's a lot of people on either side. Basically, what's going to come down to injury or not, even if he was 100% of today, either you're in on Damian Williams or not. I don't think there's a lot of people playing the middle ground. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's going to be, uh, yeah, look, he's still going to go high, and I think there's still the potential there. You know, just, we always have, I feel like we have to look at every side of the situation when we, when we talk about a guy. Um, so last week, I wrote a series uh, on NFL.com about guys who were essentially undervalued in draft. This year, this week, I, I feel like I have to do the companion piece with guys who were overvalued in draft. And this one, this one sort of hurts me, Jake, because you know, Kenny Galladay came out recently and said, I can be a 100-catch guy. And my response is, I agree, just not in this Lions offense. I mean, I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I know he says it, and I think he has the talent, but I feel like this is kind of a smokescreen, Jake, that it just, it just can't happen with, with this offense constructed as it is. I am 100% with you on that. This is 100% a smokescreen because, I mean, just looking at last year, just to take last year's sample, but the least, the fewest amount of targets to get 100 receptions last year was Michael Thomas with 147. Everybody else had more than that at 149. And actually, everybody passed him and Stephon Diggs had 150 or more. So that's really where the question comes in. Is And also, look at Michael Thomas and look at his reception rate. So let's talk about that for a second. So you're right. It's the offense. It's Matthew Stafford and this offense. It's, yes, 
you vacated the Tate targets, but Tate wasn't on the field the entire time, even if you want to include the fact that Marvin Jones, well, Marvin Jones is coming back for after missing seven games, so you've got to take about 40 or 50 targets and pull them back over to Marvin Jones. All right, so let's say Theo Riddick's not there anymore. Well, some of those are going to go to carry on Johnson, some of those to Ty Johnson. I just don't see any which way before we've even gotten to the point of the offense of the whole, which I think what you're getting at here, it's the Patricia offense, which runs the ball a hell of a lot. And the fact that I don't feasibly see how he gets 130, 35, let alone 150 targets. So yes, I love you gold or Kenny Galladay. I love the upside that you have as a player. I actually love your fitness offense, but there's no way on earth. I see you getting to a hundred targets just be, or hundred receptions. Cause I just don't see you getting the targets to get the reception. I mean, just the last year, just based on their, their, their pacing last year, I mean, they were one of the slowest paced teams in the league last season. Um, you know, and it just, Matt Patricia seems to be one of those old school guys who wants to play defense, run the football, I just, you know, I, I, I want it to be so, but I just can't. I can't make it be so. I can't. I just can't. Um, all right, last one for you in this this hype trainer smoke screen. And this one is because it's like fantasy catnip, right? And, like, I'm not one who jumps on this, but I know that the name, the moment this name pops up, everybody starts to scramble and salivate. I mean, it's very Pavlovian almost. Reports, Josh Gordon is going to file for reinstatement. Um I, I mean, I can't do it. I feel like we've had our hearts broken too many times. Uh, I mean, are are you are you are you anteing up again for this? If this happens, are you going to ante back up for Josh Gordon? Yeah. So I was never really in on Josh Gordon anyway after the first suspension. So I'm not really anteing up anyway because I never really anteed up in the first place because it's just the frustration of not knowing if he's ever going to be out there. And everybody's always willing to pay, as you said, people salivate, people see the upside, people remember the huge season he had, and he's like, well, he's with the Patriots. So, yeah, he's worth taking in the sixth, seventh round. And as of today, he's probably not going to go there. But if he's reinstated, he'll get back up to that level. And that's why is because right now he's not even officially reinstated. Even before that, is he going to be the number two? I think J- James White's the number two receiver, quote-unquote, on this team because it's Jacoby Myers, Josh Gordon, Phil Dorsett, Nikhil Harry, who hasn't looked good so far. There's just a litany of options that reminds me, about the Super Bowl teams from the early years for the Patriots where it was a bunch of guys behind Deion Branch, and that's what it's looking like. It's a bunch of guys behind Julian Edelman. Does Josh Gordon have the highest upside of anybody not Julian Edelman? Absolutely, Marcus. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. But am I going to invest in him in my league? I just I can't pull that trigger because somebody's going to take him rounds, not picks before I <laughs> I mean, just, it, you know, it's funny. Every time his name comes up, it's just people get irrational about it. And I think, you know, everybody looks back at that one huge magical season he had. Um, but, man, that was at this point, that was so long ago that it's just hard to think that, that something like that's ever going to come back again. I mean, 2013, it's a long way in a rearview mirror, man. And I just, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny. Every time his name pops up, people just people just start to, you know, panic a little bit and, and start sweating. And it's funny. So, um all right, so before I let you go, and I appreciate the time, Jake, uh, you are, you know, part of your stock in trade is uh, rankings. You are consistently one of the most accurate rankers in the fantasy industry. Um, and so now I, I, I want to get your, your rankings on some different non-fantasy football-related things, but things that I know are sort of near and dear to your heart. So I got three different categories. I'll give you three different uh, things within that category, and I I want your rankings on those. So uh, ready? All right, here we go. Yep. Animated shows, ones that, you know, I know you love because you and I have discussed some of these before. So I want your rankings. Uh, 
between Voltron, Final Space, and One Punch Man? How do you rank those? <laughs> I almost feel obligated to put one of them first. But I I, I, first that's why I did that, because I know that you know you sort of have a, a personal connection with uh, the creators of one of those shows, so I, I, I'm going to try to put you on the spot here. I, I appreciate that, but I would put, look, I'm going to say it. I'll put Final Space first for multiple reasons. I actually think that some of the best character development in a comedy slash sci-fi cartoon show, which is just, it took me really by surprise last year. And that's why the, before, I mean, Olin Rogers, the creator, he's kind of taken off and he's taken off because of this show and a lot of the other stuff. He has YouTube shows and stuff like that, but I mean, the investment you get into these characters, you actually really kind of feel for them. I, I enjoy that show more than I expected, and I'm glad. I, put it this way, this is how I know it's first. If Voltron, I could catch up over a weekend and be like, ah, if I want to go out, that's fine. And now it's over, as you know. One Punch Man is the same thing. It's like, all right, you know what, I'll watch three next week. And it's a great show in its own right. But Final Space, is, it's 11.30 Monday night. I'm watching Final Space. Sorry, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's how I know it's number one. So I'll give One Punch Man the slight edge over Voltron just because it's still going. And I actually thought season two got way too much crap. I thought it was actually still really good. It just left on a crazy cliffhanger. But Voltron, if, Voltron, if it was still going, would be number two. But since it's over, it's number three. All right. Okay. That, that's fair. Uh, so the next one for me, Disney shows, right? Uh, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, and Chippendales Rescue Rangers. So I, I find that you left this interesting one off. You forget Gummy Bears. Gummy Bears is underrated. Gummy Bears is a very underrated one that was kind of in that block. And they, I think if you think about it, Marcus, I think they were teaching us about PEDs. Cause if you remember, <laughs> special, the gummy berry special, juice, right? <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden to power them up and these little dudes are beating up these giant oaks. Like, <laughs> like some underlying theme they were trying to teach kids back in there. But all right, of these three, you know what my number one answer is. It's the theme song opener and closer for my show myself. It's DuckTales is number one. No question about it. Right. I will go because it's a spinoff from that. I will actually put Darping. The order you just put, Darping Duck number two, and Chippendales is number three. But Chippendales, not because it's not good. It's actually probably the second best theme song of all those Disney cartoons. Uh, but it's just a, it's a third because their voices after a while can kind of grade on you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, which I think is honestly why uh, you know Monterey Jack, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> I can't remember who's the the other uh, the other character. But like that's why they had regular voices because you couldn't have four characters all with those you know squeaky chipmunk voices. I think that would have been probably too much. Um, all right, last one, cereal. Because I know you have done cereal rankings, which is kind of weird because yeah. I don't think you actually eat cereal, correct? Like you don't you don't eat breakfast cereals but you rank them which i think is, is sort of strange um no i ate, i ate all of them um but just i have a borderline uh a borderline not i guess it's not photographic memory when it comes to that I, I don't know what the word is for it but i have a borderline memory where i remember things from 10 20 years ago so i remember how they all taste but i did taste some new ones for it i just don't eat it consistently okay uh well i will give you some see these are old school ones that according to the google are some of the top selling cereals uh, in the country, cinnamon toast crunch, honey nut Cheerios, and Fruit Loops. <laughs> those, those are the three we're going here for. Yeah, um, I've, uh, you know. Uh, well, so, I, mean, I could tell you, I could tell you hashtag check the link for those because I <laughs> what you said. for everybody that's out there, so you don't know because you can't see the word. But remember, Fruit Loops isn't even spelled U I T. No, it's F R O O T. Yes. Yes. Because they're all the same flavor. They're not even different flavors. <laughs> so, so Fruit Loops actually checked in at 33rd. I wow. Over 55. Uh, Honey Nut Cheerios was tied 13 and 14. 
Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch was originally third or fourth, but I found this out, Marcus. There was, thanks to a listener, told me there's churros Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and it perfectly fixes the problem of the fact that Cinnamon Toast Crunch gets soggy too fast. So those are now the number one. It's the churros Cinnamon Cinnamon Toast Crunch. you got to go try them. That seems sort of redundant because Cinnamon Toast Crunch (laughs) is basically churros in like little crunchy square form, right? I mean, it just seems like, it just seems redundant (laughs) to call it churro flavor. That's that's actually a really big, I mean, like if they called them like chocolate cocoa puffs, Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of redundant. I will say this: uh, I don't know if you ranked it, and I don't know if you remember this. There was a cereal back in my childhood called Circus Fun, um, and, and no, oh, it was like they had, they had a crazy little jingle in these commercials, and like you know, they had all these, uh, you know, marshmallows that were shaped like circus animals, you know, elephants and giraffes and whatever. Um, I remember begging my mom to buy a box of it, and I, you know how sometimes you taste something and it tastes like the smell of something else, since your, you know, your your smell and your sense of taste are connected. I just remember begging my mom for a box of this, pouring a bowl, and realizing that the the marshmallows in it tasted like the smell of garbage. And I'm like, this is disgusting. But at that point, I was all in because I begged my mom for it, and she's like, you're going to eat this whole box. And so I suffered through it for like a couple of weeks. I never had those, but do you remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Nintendo cereal system? I, rem- I remember them. I never ate it, but I do remember those things, yes. They were like knockoff, and I'm not even talking about like pretend. These were like the knockoffs of the knockoff copies of like like Lucky Charms, where the sugar taste was the most, oh, yeah, I couldn't even finish a bowl. They were both so disgusting. Oh, that's vile. That is that is wrong. I mean, we we could go. I could go on for for hours about cereal, but uh, I I will I will refrain and I will save my audience from doing that. Uh, Jake, appreciate the time for folks out there who are listening, and you know most folks who listen to this show probably know you. But uh, for those who don't, where can they find you? Yes, at All in Kid, as you said on Twitter, is the easiest way because I tweet everything out. But over at the Athletic, theAthletic.com, where there's tons of stuff over there. Our draft kit is out. Actually, second wave launched today. As I told you before, the rankings are freshly updated. So you can find me there, and you've mentioned the podcast. Yeah, all in sports podcast and sports unsealed. So a lot of places, including special guest spots like this, which was one of my favorites. Hey, we appreciate it. Always love having you on, uh, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch at some point during the season. If you know, certainly on the internets, and uh, you know, at some point maybe we connect in person too. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So appreciate it, Jake. Uh, and for you out there listening, we appreciate it as well. We are done as always. You know the drill: tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember: if Plan A fails, you still have twenty-five letters left. We'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, 
Green Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.